Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast where we talk all things NCAA hoops with you. I'm Mike Randall. You can follow me at Randall Rant. Today, folks, we got one of the greats in the industry, Brad Evans from Yahoo, is joining us here on the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Brad is a multi-time award-winning fantasy football, fantasy basketball writer. He has Brad's bracket big board on Yahoo, huge NCAA basketball fan, great knowledge base, knows so much about the sport, tremendous writer. You see him on TV, you see him on Twitter, all over the place, just one of the leaders in the college basketball and really sports writing in general world. Brad Evans from Yahoo. You can follow him at Yahoo Noise. He's going to talk to us today. He's going to give us his thoughts on how crazy this college basketball year has been, why Virginia and Villanova are head and shoulders above everyone else, his thoughts on Purdue, Kentucky, whether Nevada can make a run or not with the Lindsey Drew injury. And then he's even going to go on the couch countdown with us and give us his rapid fire reaction to a bunch of things in college basketball and life in general. So please follow him at Yahoo Noise. Without further ado, let me introduce the great Brad Evans from Yahoo. Join the Screen the Screen the podcast here for a few minutes. Folks, every once in a while, we catch a huge fish, and today we've done just that. We have the great Brad Evans of Yahoo Sports joining us on the podcast today. He's been a resident football college basketball analyst for Yahoo Sports since 2006. He's an 11-time fantasy sports writer nominee across three sports. He's a seven-time writer of the year winner, eight-time award-winning Yahoo Sports writer. He's been the FFL mouthpiece. He's on At Altitude TV Fantasy Football Hour. He's a resident NCAB bracketologist. And of course, he's the CEO of Hashtag Team Wavos, the 2017 Fantasy Sports Writer Association Hall of Fame member, Brad Evans. Brad, how you doing today? Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. You missed one explicit detail, uh, Supreme Jackass, because that, <laughs> that totally applies. That, that actually should that should be emblazoned on a T-shirt that I should wear around at all times. I think it's going to be carved in my tombstone when I'm you know six feet under as well. But uh, yeah, that, that fits me to a T, and I appreciate, again, having me on. No, it's go big or go home. If you're going to be a, a jackass, be a big jackass, right? That's the, that's the only way to be. So Yeah, I'm with you. Thanks so much for coming on. And Brad, it's an honor. Not only coming on but it's also national margarita day i mean what are the chances we have you on here well you're lucky that i'm not in a fetal position in a corner right now sucking my thumb to be honest with you because it is uh 110 denver time right now and on national margarita day i should be a half a bottle in so i've got a lot of catching up to do and i promise the listeners out there i will swallow the worm tonight uh, always of course you you are a big fan well listen let's just jump right into it this has been one of the craziest college basketball seasons in recent memory. Number one team is changing constantly. Number one seeds are in flux as well, especially that last number one seed after that bracket preview. What do you make of this, Brad? Why is this year so crazy and wide open? Well, I think it's uh, it's a culmination of multiple things. You know, obviously the one and done rules playing a factor. Um, you know, there's a, an influx of talent, too, that is really spread out in the high major leagues. Uh So the depth of talent in the ACC, in the Big 12, in the Big East, the Big 10, the SEC, the Pac-12 as well. Yeah, there's some there's some differences between the top team and the bottom team, some major ones. But uh, in the middle, there's there's a lot of subtleness, right? It's almost negligible. uh, The difference between, um, you know, a, a Nebraska versus a Penn State, for example, in the Big 10. And as a result of the evening out of the landscape, I, you're seeing a lot of these leagues 
leagues uh, and the the components in it, um, they're really just beating up on each other. So as a result, uh, you're seeing uh, losses mount up. Uh, you're seeing parity reigning supreme. And that's just the day and age of college basketball that we live in. Again, until the FBI drops that last major shoe and reveals all the details and ultimately changes college basketball forever, this is the status quo for now. And this is going to be one hell of a wild and wacky NCAA tournament ride. Oh, it's going to be a total ride. And you have your your Brad's big board up on Yahoo. You can see it, folks. He had updates today at Yahoo Noise on Twitter. Your current number ones that you have are Virginia, Villanova, Kansas, and Xavier in that order. Clearly, Wahoos and the Wildcats have been head and shoulders above the rest of the teams, but different styles, right? Yet they both have been able to be the most consistent teams in the, in the college basketball landscape this year. Yeah, no doubt. And I know there are a lot of people out there that are questioning how far Virginia will go because it's not the prettiest form of basketball, you know? Yeah, right, <laughs> it's, know. Almost, it's almost like staring at a Medusa uh, in her eyes and turning to stone. Brad, uh, whatever we talk about it, my partner brings up Virginia, I just start mumbling down screen, back screen, down <laughs> screen. You know, but it, it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that pack line defense, I, I mean, I find certain beauty watching it. Um, you know, everybody buying into a system and, and having that semblance and checking the egos of the door. I mean, it's a testament to Tony Bennett and what he has built in Charlottesville. Um, this is a very efficient team. Not, you know, not only are they number one in the country, just the defensive fi- uh, efficiency, but they're also a pretty darn good offensive team as well. They can step out and hit the three with regularity, uh, with Kyle Guy and Jerome. Uh, you know, they have the inside presence there uh, as well. It's just, you know, I think Virginia is is being underrated in a way. And I think people are not going to pick them far because they're just not sexy. And right. it's it's not necessarily an enjoyable brand of basketball to watch. But because of the consistency they put out there on a you know day in and day out basis, that's a team that's going to be extremely tough out. And then you move on to Villanova, getting Phil Booth back, you know, playing 16 minutes in his return. Granted, it was DePaul, and DePaul is the uh, sisters of the motherless poor <laughs> in the uh, in the Big East. But uh, you know, you look at Booth in the 16 minutes, 14 points. That's crazy efficiency yeah. mm-hmm. that's- for a guy that missed multiple weeks with his injury. And you know, you get uh, you've got Pascal back as well, so you've got that inside presence to balance the perimeter game uh, the versatile game of uh, Mikel Bridges and Jalen Brunson and company and uh, DiVincenzo so uh, I think Villanova right now is the prohibitive favorite to cut down the nets in San Antonio when it's all said and done Uh, but yes Virginia Villanova the two V's clearly not going to budge off that one line, barring what happens here down the stretch. Yeah, two things. One, Virginia, of course, people are hesitant to trust them because they couldn't get by Michigan State, right? And then finally, when they didn't yep. get by Michigan State, it was the curse of Malachi Richardson. So right, I, I know right. people are, are hesitant with them, but this could be the year that they go forward. And as far as Villanova, I think Dante DiVincenzo is the most underrated player in college basketball. He hits big shots. He's going to go back off the bench with Booth now eventually, can rebound the ball. He's athletic. He plays tough defense. I, he's a real X factor for them. Yeah, and getting uh, Amari Spellman some of those key minutes as well with those injuries, I, I think that's the silver lining here. It, this, it, it helps add the depth. It builds up the confidence. It has the self-esteem on high as they get into the postseason. So now instead of being largely a five- or six-man rotation, uh, you can go seven, eight deep. And, you know, when those punches, those haymakers are being thrown in the NCAA tournament and you're in, you're in a battle, a back-alley brawl, uh, you know, you can throw some of those extra bodies in there, keep guys fresh on those, you know, days where you only have one day off in between. Uh, I think it's going to be very beneficial in the end for the smooth operator, Jay Wright. 
Totally agree. Let's get your thoughts on Purdue. They've had a tough run lately, lost three in a row, barely survived Penn State at home without Vince Edwards. He's also out tonight against, uh, I don't know, Illinois. Have you heard of him, Brad? I don't know if you're Illinois. Uh, well, they're dead to me right now. <laughs> Well, my partner loves them, and, and I'm concerned a little bit about their depth. I mean, harm's off the bench. I get it. And and I haven't seen Matt Painter in a real big sort of spot there for them yet. You have Purdue right now on your on your big board at nine. That's a three C. Talk about Purdue and why you have them lower than I think most would. Well, it's it's because of the recent string of downtrodden performances, losing to Ohio State, losing at Michigan State, and then you know the cherry on top of the Sunday, losing at Wisconsin. Yeah, a terrible Wisconsin team this Awful. year, right? Yep. You get the big bounce back win against Penn State, but that was uh, a slog, a scrum uh, to accomplish that. I mean, Purdue is once again, they seduced me early in the season, and now I feel like a lover scorn, right? They, they <laughs> right, stabbed right. me in the back, and now I can't trust them. I got serious trust issues with Matt Painter's team, though they're talented, and I am really worried about Vincent Edwards and that ankle injury. Um, I'm hearing from people that – this is something that's going to keep him not only sidelined the rest of the regular season, could extend in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, he's got to get right yep. uh, because he's such a, a matchup problem with his length at six foot eight, his defensive prowess, his rebounding ability as well. A guy that's shooting over 40% from downtown on the season. Uh, they need him. And if he's not out there healthy, you know, not a, a 95% even, uh, this is a team that could have an early exit in the NCAA tournament. So uh, Purdue, I like the balance. Uh, I like uh, Isaac Haas's game and how he's been able to really step it up. His yeah, footwork. he's really – Brett, he's really been better. I mean, he has – you know, replacing Caleb Swanigan, this was a guy who was a walking foul last year. He has really improved, and he makes his free throws. He does. It's all about the footwork, man. That drop step that he has initially, it's I, – I, this is – like hyperbole, but it, the drop step that everybody references to is Akeem Olajuwon, the greatest drop step in, in basketball history, you could argue. There's a little bit of that in Haas's game right now because it's so quick initially off that first step. He's able to get enough uh, separation from the defender, and with his length, with his girth, and I'm talking about his body now, yeah, right. Uh, he could kiss it off the glass and, you know, he, he's got that nice touch to finish things off. And like you said, making opponents pay at the free throw line. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got a, a really complete game and has developed into a legitimate NBA prospect. So, yeah, I mean, I like Purdue. Uh, I love Carson Edwards as well. Sharpshooter, tough as nails. But they need Vince Edwards back and healthy if they're realistically going to have a shot of making it to San Antonio. You've been scorned by Purdue. I feel scorned by Kentucky. I kept talking in the preseason about why is no one mentioning Kentucky? They have 38 stars worth of recruits, the six five-star players, the two four-star players. Cal's meshed them together year after year. He's a great recruiter. But what I see right now is a team without a main go-to score or identity. They had the nice win over Alabama, and then they won at Arkansas the other night. I'll, I'll give them that. But that followed four losses, which followed three wins, which followed two losses. You have Kentucky at number 19 on your big board. That's a five seed. We know what happens with five seeds in the tournament. Talk about, oh, K- yes. talk about Kentucky. On the rise or prime for an early March exit? Well, right now, I would say they're training in the right direction. But, you know, it could shift. It's like the weather in Colorado, right? Uh, if you don't like it, give it a minute. <laughs> That's what <laughs> right. we always say around here. So, you know, one minute it's 75 degrees, and the next day it's quite literally in the single digits. Yeah, how, how was Tuesday, week. by the way? I heard Tuesday was a little balmy. Was it, was it out there? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was 70 degrees. We, like, set a record high, and then literally the next day we had six inches of snow, and it was seven degrees. <laughs> right. And, you know, may, it go from Team Huevos to Team Raisins. So, uh <laughs> 
You know, and that's that's Kentucky in a nutshell, right? That That's what this team is. I don't know what to make of it. I don't think Coach Cal knows what to make of this team. It's not nearly as talented. It's not the dearth of talent that he's had with previous iterations. Uh, I think they're a decent collective of athletes. They're long. Uh, you know, they're aggressive on the glass, particularly getting those second chance opportunities. But they're woeful from three. They're not particularly good at the charity stripe. They have been prone uh, to committing too many turnovers. The defense is sound, but you're right. I mean, if they match up, let's say, hypothetically against a Loyola Chicago out of the Missouri Valley, a very balanced team. One in Florida. A team. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think athletically, of course, Kentucky's superior, and it could be an issue on the glass for Loyola, but because Loyola shoots like 42% from beyond the arc, and I know Kentucky can get out there and stretch the perimeter, that's a team, though, that I could really see pushing Kentucky to the limit or maybe upsetting him in a 12 over five. So, uh, you know, the jury's still out on the Wildcats. I don't know what to make of them. Uh, they got three key games left, Missouri at home, uh, Mississippi, ta- uh, Mississippi team that they should beat at home. Uh, the Missouri had to go in a, to overtime to try to dispense them and failed in that endeavor. Yep. And one of the more spectacular meltdowns I've seen this season. Yep. And, then and, and, after- did, and didn't cover the second half line, by the way, which may or may oh, not. Oh, God, that was brutal. <laughs> You, you just had to twist that. I, I saw it. I started laughing because I've done a lot of oh. say. I'll put it this way. Here, here you go, Brad. You worry about that one. I actually did the second half line Northwestern plus 10 against Michigan State. Does oh, that make you feel any better? Wow. Wow. <laughs> and they scored 11 points. 38 to 11. Oh, uh, that's uh, dims the brakes and gambling, man. That's what happens. Uh, and then you finish at Florida. And I know Florida is a team that's struggling. So, you know, Kentucky's in, could be anywhere from a five seed, I think, to an eight seed when it's all said and done. And your guess is going to be as good as mine. What version shows up in the opening round action of the NCAA tournament? You know, and I was waiting, you know, like like the girlfriend you break up with, but you keep coming back to her. When Jared Vanderbilt came back, I said, this is it. Here they come. He's averaging like 0.49 rebounds per minute, which is ahead of Kaycock from Wilmington, ahead of Delgado, Jamario Jones. But still, they haven't found that. They're waiting. I mean, sometimes you get Gildress Alexander scoring. Other games you don't. Knox is on, you know, second half against West Virginia. Then he's not on the next game. That's the part that frustrates me. Yeah, Knox is really the X factor there because he's the only consistent three-point shooter this team really has, right? Uh, I mean, Green can step out. He's hitting 37%, but he's not taking a ton of shots from out there. Knox is willing to get the puppy set and chuck it and see if it'll, you know, drop in and through the 10. And they, they need that secondary. They need that third or tertiary score from outside to have any legitimate shot of surviving the first weekend. I mean, it's, it's almost unfathomable that we're talking about Kentucky, uh, you know, with this kind of detail and with this kind of, you know, like, uh, you know, solemn attitude, but you know, reality is what it is. And right now, Kentucky just doesn't have the talent to advance deep in the postseason, which means they're probably going to win it all. Yeah, right. That's the way it works. You know, somebody compared them the other day. I heard about that eight seed that that team, the Kentucky team that was the eight seed or nine seed. Not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. They they had Randall inside. They had James Young, who could certainly attack more than Knox can. Knox is obviously not like a Malik Monk type of player. I kind of thought he was going to be, but he's not. But that's it. Who knows? I mean, maybe Cal gets it together to make a run in the SEC and move forward. That would just fall in line with the way things have gone this year, right? Oh, totally. Uh, It's wild. It's wacky. It's nutty. And, you know, that's the state of college basketball today. 
Another lightning rod team is Nevada. We've loved the Wolfpack all season long. Martin Brothers, Jordan Caroline, Coach Musselman saw him ripping off the shirt on Twitter, giving the kid the scholarship. I mean, <laughs> how can you not love that guy? Positionless basketball, right? But they just yeah. lost their point guard, Lindsey Drew, for the season. Now, I saw Arizona lose Raleigh Alkins, and that changed their whole dynamic. Booth and Pascal got hurt in Villanova. That changed the whole thing. The question is, can Lindsey Drew? The critics are going to say they haven't beat a ranked team all season. They play in the Mountain West, right? But they look real good. They're a matchup problem. They're well coached. What do you think about the Wolfpack? Buy low or sell high? Uh, I am. I'm on buy low on on Nevada. Uh, I do like this team. You know, there are obvious concerns. You know, losing Drew, your your point man, but you know they haven't had him for a couple of games, and uh, you know Caleb Martin has really stepped up along with uh, Cody Martin in, in terms of handling the rock and distributing. And at six foot seven, and you're playing a point, and you're just uh, oozing athleticism out of every single pore, and can beat guys off the dribble. That's a matchup problem. Right. And Jordan Caroline may have the highest motor of any player in college basketball. That guy is an absolute beast. 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 Yep. Um, you know, of course, uh, J.C. Caroline, his grandfather in the College Football Hall of Fame, played uh, running back at the University of Illinois. And then his dad, Simeon Rice. So, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the bloodlines are strong. He, you know, he might get a tryout somewhere and when his, uh, uh, in the, on the NFL gridiron when his career in college basketball is over with. Rico, but Rico Gathers-esque, right? It could be. Yeah, maybe he's the next Antonio Gates. I mean, yeah, who knows? Yeah. But, you know, he, he certainly has the, uh, the frame. He's a wide body. Uh, brutishly strong, but he's got a great inside-outside game. He's got a knack around the rim, can jump out of the gym. Uh, I, I really like his game, and because you have a lot of you know six, seven, six, six guys, and if Kendall Stevens is unconscious, uh, like he was last night against San Jose State, and I realize San Jose State's only won three games, but Stevens was hitting everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ball yep. was in his hands; it was going straight through the cylinder every single time. Just a beautiful, you know, rotation that was coming off his fingertips. Uh, they they are difficult, uh, and they defend. Uh, they're going to force you in uncomfortable and uncompromising positions uh, as long as they stay out of foul trouble and they get a draw that I think, you know, plays into their hands, maybe against a smaller opponent. Yep. Um, you know, that I could see him easily making it to the sweet 16. So yeah, I'll buy low on Nevada. We're based out of New Jersey, Brad. So let's hit you with the local question. What on earth is wrong with Seton Hall? I mean, a, a, oh. a, a, a top four coming into the year that you could you could say could match up with anybody. People had predicted them winning the Big East. They should be so much better. What's wrong with Seton Hall? I don't, you know, that's that's what I can't put my finger on because you've got a group of veterans, right? These guys have gone through so many battles. They're a rarity in college basketball, a talented group. Uh, Angel Delgado's, you know, double-doubles machine. Yep. They, they just go through these spurts defensively where they just have these lapses of momentary reason. You know, it's, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to let that guy blow by. So, so true. So true. Oh there, there's no, there's no set rotation. They're not attacking like they were earlier on the season. That was a strength of the pirates was defending. And now the wheels have come off. I mean, you saw it in the four game losing streak. I mean, when you're giving up close to 1.10 points per possession to DePaul, to yep. DePaul, oh, it's nuts. That, that sums it up right there. So they got to get right and, I, you know, they're running out of time, obviously. You have the Big East tournament, which you can you know, kind of hit the reset button uh, and try to rejuvenate that part of this team's game. If they can at least be average, because they're far below average right now defensively, just average defensively, again, with that experience, with the sharpshooters, with the inside-outside presence, the ability to get those second-chance opportunities with Delgado, 
Um, you know, I, I think they could do some damage, but right now, defensively, they got to get right. They had that run a few years ago. People were talking about Kevin Willard being in trouble with his coaching job. Then they won that Big East tournament. They beat Villanova, but then they go to the, the NCAA tournament, losing a first round of Gonzaga. So they, they got to pull it together here. And I don't think Des, I think Desi Rodriguez got hurt the other night with the moisture against Providence. They finished that game, and I don't think he's playing in Madison Square Garden against St. John's on Saturday. So they could be in some trouble in that game. Yeah, and then you follow up with home matchups against Villanova and Butler. Oh, so, geez. I mean, it, there there's a chance here. You know, Seton Hall is firmly in right now. They yeah. have the profile very much an 8-9 team, maybe a 7 you know, seven seed, maybe as high as even a 6, the way things are going with everybody losing in sure. the middle of the pack, that if they somehow impossibly swept the rest of the regular season and you get a couple of quad, maybe you have at least one quad one win under your belt with Villanova. St. John's on the cusp of quad one for a road matchup. Butler would be uh, probably on the outside uh, not inside the uh, RPI top 30, but you know there, there's opportunities there for Seton Hall to improve the overall profile and resume. I just don't know if they can do it defensively. Your last four in on your bracket big board, Washington, St. Bonaventure, Baylor, UCLA. Want to focus on St. Bonaventure. They did not have Jalen Adams beginning of the year. He was the preseason player of the year in the A-10. He's back. Mobley's hot. Mark Schmidt doing a great job. I think St. Bonaventure, very dangerous team come tournament time. Yeah, I would agree with that, uh, most definitely. And, you know, Adams clearly being the key cog here. Um, It's a team that protects the rock. Uh, They're very deadly from outside. And they don't take a ton of threes, but they can rely on it if need be. And when you're shooting right around 40% from beyond the arc, you can do all kinds of damage. Uh, Very good defensive team as well. You know, they they extend out along the perimeter. And people are going to say, well, look at the league that they play. And they play in the Atlantic 10. Well, you know, Rhode Island's a rock-solid team. Definitely. And and they, you know, handle it. Them at home, uh, avenging a loss from earlier in the season. You know, you look earlier on in the year, they beat uh, a Maryland team that's headed the NIT on a neutral floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hung tough with TCU. Uh, you beat Syracuse on the road at the Carrier Dome in a true away game in OT. Uh, I like this team as well. Uh, I really do. The, the biggest question for St. Bonaventure is can they actually get in the tournament? Because right. they're, they're no sure thing right now, though they're riding this hot streak here. You know, they've won, what, eight in a row. Yep. you got to play at VCU, mm-hmm. sticky always. Davidson, a tough uh, opponent always, uh, that, though that is uh, in St. Bonaventure, and then at St. Louis, a game you should definitely win, yep. though the Billikens are playing a little bit better. So they have to win those three games. You, you can't have a, a bad loss on the resume. Davidson wouldn't be. VCU and St. Louis would certainly qualify for that. And you got to win a couple of uh, games in the Atlantic 10 tournament. Do that, and I think uh, that would be enough to get them in, though they do have the three black eyes on the resume that match the three quad one wins. So that's why St. Bonaventure right now really walking the tightrope. You know, I've been watching Duke lately and no Marvin Bagley, and they are really playing their best basketball of the season. Now, I'm not going to be an idiot and say that they're playing, that they're better without Bagley, but Grayson Allen has looked like his old self. I call him Ook, actually, Brad, because they're really playing no, they're playing <laughs> yeah. no defense. I mean, every game I watch Duke, I feel like they have one foul at the half, which is great in some ways, but in other ways, you know, they're not really getting after it. Do you think that this is done on purpose by Coach K and that they're going to tighten 
tighten it up? Or are they simply going to roll the dice and say, listen, we have enough skilled players on offense that we can make it through without a strong defensive effort? Well, the defense has improved, right? So we got to give credit where credit is due. You look at the last four games for Duke and, you know, many of those without Bagley, yep. they have not allowed one point per possession to the opponent. Good. Yep. So I, th- I think the defense is starting to make strides. Now, if that can carry over when Bagley returns, then Duke has all the ingredients necessary to not only make it to San Antonio, but win the whole enchilada, right? Mm -hmm. I think missing Bagley has been kind of a blessing in disguise because what it is forced is, yeah, you got Wendell Carter there. You got one big man, essentially. But it was forced them to rely more on small ball. And as you mentioned, this has reignited the game of Grayson Allen. And he's been very very enigmatic for much of the year, except over this recent stretch. So having him back on track and you bring Bagley back in. So now you have two premier post players. Uh, So you had that depth there. I I, I mean, I I think in the end, this is going to be very beneficial for Duke having Bagley out to get the mojo back for Grayson Allen and some of these other players. And it's telling Coach K, well, we can win playing small if our big guys get in foul trouble, right? We can win playing big because we've proven that before. Uh, So it's all starting to come together for this young group. And, of course, with the linchpin being Grayson Allen. I mean, he's got to be the the facilitator in the postseason for this team just – survive and advance over a string of you know multiple weeks and they certainly have the ingredients to do that right now and their top 50 rpi wins as good as anyone michigan state florida state miami on the road virginia tech and clemson so we are big fans here brad of ali farouk manesh okay you know mr pull yeah. up pull up from yeah. three on Blue the right that's that's it pull up from three we're gonna beat kansas and sharon collins you know what i'm shooting it through no one under the basket why not that's the gunslinger mentality you have here at the screen the screener podcast so who are two teams sort of like mid-major darlings that you could see being a 9, a 10 seed, like an 11, like Xavier last year, who could do an Ali Farouk Manesh like Northern Iowa upset and really advance pretty far? Well, I'm going to go even deeper than that. Uh, this is a team that's probably going to be either a 12 or a 13 seed. I already talked Loyola Chicago. I like that team quite a bit as a 12 seed. I think that's a team that could win multiple games in the NCAA tournament. They could be a Sweet 16 Cinderella story. Uh, really like that team because of the overall balance that the Ramblers have. Whoever takes the summit out of South Dakota or South Dakota State. Now, we were taping this podcast on Thursday. They're playing tonight. Yep. So for those people that are listening to this, hopefully you got an opportunity. If not, go back and watch. I think it's on ESPN3, so it's going to be streaming. That is a game that is going to be enormous for not only supremacy in the Summit League, but to give the advantage, you know, heading into the Summit uh, postseason tournament. Whoever gets the AQ, whether it's South Dakota or South Dakota State, I will go on record right now. They're either going to scare the bejesus out of a four seed or they're going to straight knock them off. Love it. Because – both these teams are very good. South Dakota State's got a, a postman in Mike Dom, who's at six foot nine. He's a junior. He's been there, it seems like, for 10 years. Um, great inside outside game. He shoots over 40% beyond the arc. He can back it down. He's got a good face up game as well. You know, South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, one of the more prolific offensive teams in the country. South Dakota, no slouch in that right either. And South Dakota, uh, superior defensively. They're really good on a per possession basis. They've got some gunners from outside. Uh, I love both these teams. So for me, the two mid-major darlings, Loyola Chicago is a likely 12 in either South Dakota or South Dakota State. And please, basketball gods, allow one of these to win the automatic berth in the Summit League. Love both of those. Brad, we got one more segment for you here, then we'll get you out of here. We know you're busy. Can't thank you enough for a few minutes. We have something here on Screen the Screen, and we do the couch countdown. Put you on the couch. 
Grab yourself some uh, drink there. Sit back, and I'm going to give you one minute of rapid-fire questions. And this is dangerous, folks. I want whatever comes to the top of Brad's mind. Most of these are college basketball questions. Some are not. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Here we go. Player of the year in college basketball. Trey Young, Jalen Brunson, DeAndre Ayton, or Marvin Bagley? DeAndre Ayton for me. Kansas potentially winning 14 straight Big 12 championships or North Carolina potentially three straight Final Fours. Which is more impressive? Oh, it's got to be Kansas. What's worse, a day without sunshine or a day without tequila? Oh, tequila. We're talking about uh, National Margarita Day today. You kidding me? Mike Dom, yes or no, will make an All-American team. He won't because he plays for South Dakota State and that's just a crime. Will a 15 seed beat a two this year? Ooh, no. No, twos are really strong right now. Colin Sexton will be a better pro than Trey Young. Crazy or not crazy? Not crazy. Virginia will make the Final Four, yes or no? Uh, I will say yes. I say Wichita State is making the Final Four. You say? I think Wichita State could make the national title game. That's how much I love them. That a boy. Better movie, Casino or Scarface? Oh, Casino. Better fantasy football quarterback next year, Jimmy Garoppolo or Deshaun Watson? Oh, Deshaun Watson. I love the legs, baby. And Illinois tonight, senior night against Purdue. Percentage chance? Uh, point zero 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 one. <laughs> Folks, listen, Brad Evans. Follow him on Twitter at Yahoo Noise. College basketball. He's got Brad's big board right there on Yahoo. It's tremendous. Fantasy football. Tremendous writer. Better personality. Great guy. Brad, thank you so much for a few minutes. We'll look forward to it. We're going to be following you on Twitter, following your videos, and certainly seeing how you do in your bracket come March. Yeah, it's probably going to be rolled and smoked after the uh, the first session, more than likely. So, hey, I appreciate the time, uh, and best of luck to everybody out there in bracket land. Thanks so much, Brad. <laughs>